produced by the Commission for Global Dimensions of Student Development, ACPA and Anchor, Global Connections aim to connect folks from all functional areas interested in cross-cultural learning, development of intercultural competencies, internationalization, and student services around the world. this episode of Global Connections. I am your host, Li Xing Li. This is the living room space we invite our guests to share about their stories and narratives. In today's episode, we are featuring a commission endorsed program for ACPA Annual Conference in St. Louis, Missouri, back in March. Katie Ku, Kona Lee, and Hannah Lee presented on Thriving or Surviving experience of Korean international staff in the United States. Katie is an assistant professor in the Department of Counseling and Human Development Services at the University of Georgia. Kyung is the assistant director of international programs and student affairs at the University of Pittsburgh. Hannah is the civics and international student services coordinator at SUNY Oswego. They are all from South Korea. Now let's get started with their stories. I'm Katie, I use she and her as my pronouns and I am a faculty member at the University of Georgia. So here's today's agenda. So I'm gonna briefly share why we are here and then what we are gonna talk about tonight. And then each of the presenters will talk, talk about the stories and the behind the scenes. And then we're gonna engage with the discussions and takeaways from our session. Briefly, let me share why we are doing this and how and when and where we started. So around this time of the last year and virtual ACPA 2021, at one of the meetings for the Commission for Global Dimensions of Student Development for ACPA, I saw two Korean names, Kyunga and Hannah. So here are these two ladies. As uh, me, myself, as a Korean international faculty member, in, uh, in the field of student affairs and also as a formal Korean international student in the field of student affairs who have been an active member of ACPA since 2015. I never met any Korean staff in ACPA for the past six years. Then as I saw these two Korean names last year, I contacted them immediately and then our conversations and connections began from there. So yes, it is very rare to have Korean international staff on campus in student affairs divisions. And while there are a good number of Chinese or Indian international staff on campus, this means that Korean staff sound lonely and we need the community and need support group. So then these three Korean international women who are in the field of student affairs decided to share our stories and lessons that we learned with the audience of the ACPA for tonight. So by doing this, we wanted to discuss important but missing perspective and narratives from Korean international student affairs professionals as we share our journey to becoming student affairs professionals as non-US citizens. Are you ready? Let me begin by sharing my story. So now I am a faculty member in student affairs, but I also have pretty diverse experiences working in different student affairs divisions across different institutions. So if you look at the picture, 
I worked at the Residence Life at Michigan State University as a community counselor, provided counseling services and community programs for graduate students and international students. So left side corner, the, the, the flag with the Spartan, that's uh, where I lived and worked as a, as a Residence Life staff. And that's the first institution that I started as international student. And I worked at the international office for New York University, providing advising and new student orientation to international graduate students at NYU. And I still remember that it was the best position I ever had. I truly enjoyed working with new international students and then helped them to settle down in the, in the US and the New York City. And then I worked at Pratt Institute, uh, which is the, the, the center and the down picture. So I worked at Pratt Institute in New York City as a mental health counselor. So I have counseling background and I used to be the licensed counselor. So I worked there um, providing counseling services. I also worked at the University of Maryland Counseling Center as an academic counselor. So these are the, the spaces that I worked as a, a Korean international staff. And like I said, I never had any Korean international staff in my institution. So I was the only, always the only one person. So, as the title of our presentation is Thriving or Surviving, I'm gonna share about thrive, the, the surviving mood. So I'm, uh, let me share about the struggles as a student and as a staff member. So as I worked on those different positions, I struggled with multiple issues such as acculturation, loneliness, isolation, language barriers, academic stressors, and constant concerns about the future. As an international student affairs practitioner, I encountered multiple occasions of making mistakes due to the cultural differences, different social norms, and uh, interpreting others' intentions in correct ways. Maybe some of you might relate to it, maybe nod your head. So, but because all of my supervisors and mentors were Americans, I could not 100% share what happened to me and why those happened to me. So I never just shared what happened to me and why those happened to me. And I couldn't really seek help for those people because I thought that they would never understand me. So again, I was the, always the only one. Those moments lead me to feel lonely and isolated. I have been always the only one international staff. I was the only international and Korean staff. And other colleagues would not and never understand me or they don't see my struggle because they don't experience those type of difficulties. So they don't have the same struggles that I had. So that's my assumption. And I guess that being the only person has been my thing. Um, and since I'm still only international faculty in my department, we have over 30 uh, faculty members in my department, but I'm still the only international faculty, and I'm the only Asian faculty. Another struggle, so English proficiency was another top stressor that I had as international staff. So I was able to speak some English at the time, but my limited English proficiency made me look less professional look less competent, look less confident, and less knowledgeable, and less attractive. I definitely remember those moments. I saw that students or other colleagues, they tended to run to native-speaking American staff member when they had some issues, not to me. And then I knew that they didn't really think me as a professional person that run to. Another issue, anxiety and constant concern about the future was another, uh, another stressor. 
Um, as you, many of you might really relate because of, uh, this is not my home. Here is not my home. I'm here as a foreigner. I had, I had to figure out my own way to support me to legally stay here in the U.S. And then there is no guaranteed future for anyone. So um, the uncertain future as a staff member and as an international student was really another burden and stressor for me. And that's when I really tried to too hard and hard to get there. So those were my struggles. And sometimes um, I feel that this is really the dark side of my surviving mode as a Korean staff. So I still call them uh, a struggling and a surviving mode. And the next slide. So however, the story didn't end there. So the so story didn't end at the negative side. So. This is not the end of the story, so again, so because I went through those difficult times and those struggles, I, um, I became to envision my research projects and I was able to create the main research line on international students. So although it was really the surviving mode and it was really struggling mode, I was able to transfer those struggles and sadness to my, uh, my thriving mode because I was able to create my research agenda based on my struggles. So I'm actively conducting several research projects on international students because of my previous experiences. Without those difficult times, as a Korean staff, as a Korean international student, I will never see the needs for the international students. So now, I'm very thankful for those experiences and I'm, um, and those struggles, I'm really thankful. And also, I'm really thankful about the dark side of me um, and the fact that the story didn't end there. So I would like to wrap up my story by sharing some, some two cents from my experiences. So if you are international staff or international student, here are some items that I want you to remember. So, Please get support from your advisor, your mentor, and your supervisor. Your supervisor is a person that you can turn to, that you can run to when you have some problems because your supervisor is a person who evaluate and who review your performance. Seek help from other staff or faculty in other institutions as well. So your mentor, your supervisor cannot be just confined in your institution but um, use different methods of connecting to other people in other institutions. Institutions have a different culture, so if you connect with other institutions, you are exposed to the different culture, different people, different resources that you, you, ever, you never really experienced. So use ACPA, use NASPA, or use NAFSA to connect with other supervisors and other mentors. So like the way that I met Kyung-a or Hannah through ACPA and Global Commission, try to be actively sick for your people uh, across different institutions, across different professional organizations. Another two cents that I wanted to highlight, please know your strength, your, your strong points, and try to maximize your strong point and strength. So everybody has a talent. Try to focus on your talent. Not to try, not to focus on your weak point, but try to uh, stick your strength and then try to, to maximize what it is. Um, I really want, well, international student and international staff, we tend to self-criticize, self-destruct because we have certain expectation level. But uh, let's, let's try to, to focus on the strength and the strong points that we have and let's try to, to maximize what we have. 
and have a good support group. So for me, I found a wonderful support group here at ACPA. The Commission for Global Dimension of Student, Student Development is the group that I was able to find as my community. And then I was able to build my professional identity through the commission because I, my, I felt that my research and my practices were respected and appreciated. So try to find your home away from home. Try to find your own family. Uh, as a researcher, as a supporter, as a friend. So that's what I really wanted to emphasize. So when you struggle and when you have some downtime, try to seek help from those community. I still remember that when COVID hit 2020, um, the, the Global Commission, we created a support group and then we met through the Zoom and then we shared our concern about the racism and racist attacks. So we were really honestly sharing our painful uh, and the conversations and our concerns and that it was really, really helpful. And then we were able to get connected and then we, uh, we were connected with the, with the uh, phone text. So we just constantly check on each other by texting and then see, hey, did you get your pepper spray? Hey, did you ever use it? When you go to walk outside, just bring your pepper spray, something like that. So community within the community was really powerful and helpful. Okay, the last thing is turn your sadness or anger to the great opportunity. So again, my struggles, my surviving mode was able to get me to the next level, which is uh, the researcher in the international student. So please do not stop there at the struggling mood, but try to, to come up to the thriving mood. And then if you have anger, if you have sadness, please try, try to transform those to your motivation to work motivation to support. Because of my struggles as an international student, I'm motivated to support international students by creating my research. So that's my story. So I will wrap up my story here and I will be back to the discussion later of the session. So I'm gonna invite Kyunga to the podium. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Kyung Ah Lee. I use she and her pronouns. I serve as the Assistant Director of International Programs in Student Affairs at the University of Pittsburgh. My name is Kyung Ah. I know it's sometimes hard to pronounce. It's Kyung Kyung Ah. And then it's like maybe it's hard to remember too. It's like K, maybe I'm from South Korea. K and then young, maybe I look younger than my age. Young Kyung and then, Ah Kyung Ali, you know. I never, when I got my name, when I was young in Korea, I never thought, you know, my name is hard. My name is hard to pronounce. But when I got here, I didn't know that my name would be barrier for me to get a job, for me to connect with people. And it's sometimes, you know, still my colleagues don't really pronounce my name because I understand that maybe they don't want to pronounce it wrong. It's hard to pronounce, hard to remember. So it's sometimes, you know, the way how I introduce myself, it, it, it takes like 30 seconds, right? The way how I, so, you know, it became, it, somehow it, it's one of the challenges that I face as well. Language and cultural barriers. Um, maybe when I got here, like 10 years ago, uh, from Korea, uh, maybe I found it like this. My Korean pronunciation, my accent, I, maybe I sound it like that, you know, broken language, you know, sometimes people don't really understand me, although I study hard in Korea to pick up the language. 
And then I remember when I was, you know, in college as a student, student um, as an international student, I really want to be get involved, get engaged as a student leader. But I couldn't find any opportunity because the way how I saw the student leader uh, figure was very, um, you know, well spoken. You have to articulate articulate thoughts and ideas in English very well. You have to be extroverted. You have to be outgoing. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll be able to pretend that way if I speak Korean to be the student leader. But with my culture barrier and language barrier, I couldn't do that. But fortunately, I was able to get an opportunity in the international missions as a student ambassador, and I found my passions helping and supporting students. That's why I um, landed this opportunity. Still, you know, I've been living in the United States more than 10 years. Sometimes I feel like I feel safer on campus because people know me. Oh, Kyung, I work and provide support system for international students. But when I go outside, for example, DMV to renew my driver license, sometimes I feel like I'm treated as a child. Or sometimes, you know, they kind of ignore me too. Maybe I'm smaller, I still have accents. When I get nervous, I have more Korean accents. Sometimes when I call the customer service, when I talk about legal and health insurance stuff, if I don't think it's about my English, it's about the culture. My parents don't really know the system. I'm not familiar with it. So I want to double check, triple check that I make sure that I follow proper protocols and I do the right thing. So I kind of ask them, you know, twice and three times, just want to make sure. But they maybe feel get annoyed. They hung up with me sometimes. Or sometimes they ask me back as like, did you understand? <laughs> so I was like, you know, still I've been living in the United. I have no. I'm educated. I have skill set to do my work well. I am competent, but I feel like I'm still. A, I, depending on where I am, who I interact with, I still have that feeling. But I think all the disadvantage that I feel like I had as an international student, it became my strength when I took this job. Being a bilingual, have cultural differences. Because of those experiences, all those my identities, I'm able to help international students and international community better. I'm a visa holder as a professional you know, worker in the United States. I've been living in the United States more than 10 years, but I'm still struggling. Whenever I ask about my, just so you know, my supervisor, my department are super nice. Uh, you know, in terms of helping me, supporting me, but still, I feel like I have to approach them, kind of back them, or asking a big favor for to sponsor me. What's my next step? Because I know it's a work for them. It costs money, and it's. The, I know everyone is busy, so I don't want to be burdened to them. But it's that's something that I have to do. So I'm still struggling. And then, you know, the process, you know, it's so complicated that I still don't know what's going to be next. I'm the person I plan A, B, if it does C, D. But because of my visa says I can't really plan my future more than two or three years. So that's also one of the struggles that I expected. I have to deal with a stressful thing, unexpected thing as well. And then also the challenges and difficulty, especially that I got um, during the COVID. You know, the, everything shut down around March, two years ago, around this time. All the emotions and challenges that people, my colleagues had, I actually experienced that a month or two months before that, January, February, because my family is in South Korea. Everything was locked down. No one knows what coronavirus was. I felt very, you know, there was nothing that I could do for them. 
I can't really go back. I can't really, I couldn't really do anything. So all the emotions and, you know, the struggles that I had in January, February, February that my colleagues didn't understand because no one really talked about, you know, coronavirus. March 2020, actually I was better than how my colleagues were doing because I've already had indirect experience of hearing about COVID a lot of a lot from my family in South Korea. But when there was a lot of, you know, Asian hate, uh, China, people call it China virus, people yelling at, you know, Asian. Around that time, I was more afraid of people than coronavirus because COVID, I can protect myself. Maybe I can limit myself meeting people. I can wear my mask, wash my hands, but people, there's nothing that I could do. If someone is yelling at me, if I'm get, getting attacked on the street, what can I do? There's nothing that I could do. My mom was calling me for two weeks not to go outside, even not, don't walk around the park. I was stuck in my room um, like two weeks straight. I was by myself. And the only, only time that I went outside to pick up the grocery downstairs delivered by Instacart. Um, I, and I, I also was afraid that time that I, I had to support my students too, who a lot of them are from Asia. And also I had to be well to do so. Um, and I was afraid that xenophobia will last longer than the virus. That point, I was like really afraid of that. Being an international staff, there are not many people, especially Korean staff, not many people. So I feel like this is like overlooked population that we don't get enough support, relevant support system. Being away from home is really hard. Uh, my dad got sick all of a sudden two weeks ago. And I knew when my parents are aging, at some point, maybe they're gonna get weaker and sick. And I, was, I wasn't really ready. And it was my first experience that my dad got really, really sick all of a sudden. And then, you know, she, he was in emergency. So I told Katie and Han two weeks ago, I can't make it, sorry. I have to go to Korea right away. And since, the, since I thought that one, um, you know, it's still hard to go back because all the COVID restriction makes me hard. I have to get tested before I get on the board. There's quarantine period. It, it, it just made me hard. And the only the update, my dad's condition update that I can get from was my mom. But when, when my mom was taking care of me, he was busy to call me or text me to give me update. So I was imagining more than like worst, worst scenario because I don't get any updates from my mom. Only thing that I could do was cry by myself and I wanted to be I'm, I'm the first child so I kind of wanted to be stronger so you know I, I haven't cried in front of my family yet I try to be stronger because how hard it is for them to see me crying so I try to call by myself in my room so maybe my, my tears will dry it up and I won't cry anymore something like that all the things you know it made me just hard being away from home and also uh, one thing that luckily I'm on a visa, but maybe if I process the permanent residency process, um, you know, there, I, I, I think there will be a point where I'll be encouraged not to travel because it's in process. What if my, my parents get sick next year sometime and I'm in process of that and I'll be encouraged not to call, go back? You know, all those like visa, like complicated situation is waiting for me. I'm just scared of, but I'm not sharing, I, I'm not here just to share what all my struggles are, but somehow I'm thankful with all my journeys and all of those experiences to have, so I'm able to support other people too. 
one day, you know, maybe a, a few years ago, I remember oh, verbs are really powerful because sometimes people want to say, oh, I want to be a teacher because I like teacher. Instead of noun, I think it's more powerful that I want to educate the verb students to grow well. Instead of saying, I want to be a doctor, instead of saying that, I think it's more powerful to say the verb that I want to heal people who are sick. So I was thinking in my life or at work, what kind of verb, the powerful verb, do I want to keep in mind? I chose two verbs. It may be changed, but now I chose embrace, empower. All the direct and indirect experiences that I had, all the journeys that I went through, because of those experiences, I'm able to embrace myself. I'm embrace, I, I am able to embrace other cultures and other people. But I didn't want to stop there because I want to empower others to do the same thing. I want to be empowered and empower other people too. So I'm not complaining all the experiences that I had or journeys that I will be going through, but I try to be the reason that I can survive and also thrive is very thankfully all those experiences. And I really hope that all of you in this room remember my story and the power of kindness is caring is very impactful because the love and caring that I get from my friends and colleagues are very thankful and that really motivate me to do well and thrive. So hope you remember my stories and bring that back to your home and at your institution and share those kindness. Thank you. Thank you, Kiana and Katie, for sharing um, your stories. I want to give them a big warm hug. Um, okay. Hi again, everyone. My name is Hannah. I am Citizen International Services Coordinator at SUNY Oswego. My experience is um, similar to Kiana and Katie, but slightly different in a way that my I came to the U.S. as a non-degree-seeking exchange student back in 2014. So I came here as a just you know enjoy the American higher education system as an exchange student. But the interesting part is after two weeks, I had to fly back to Korea and then had a family visa interview to get a green card. So my visa status changed from F1 student visa holder to green card in two weeks, which seems pretty suspicious um, to CBP immigration officers. So whenever I travel internationally, eight out, of, eight out of 10 times, I'll be placed in secondary inspection. And now I serve as a DSO. For those who are not familiar with the jargon, I'm the one who issue I-20 immigration documents to international students. So whenever I, uh, I go to secondary inspection, I have this um, look in my eyes, now I'm a DSO, I'm not, suspicious. I'm not a suspicious person. Um, so that's what I do. So the first photo that I, um, I took this first photo when I just arrived in the US. That was my um, on-campus residence. And the second photo is the carriers that my family brought into US. Um, so as I, as I go through the process of changing my visa status within the American higher education, that made me want to be someone who advises international students. So that's why I wanted to be an international student advisor. And that made me to kind of form this expectation toward myself. 
So whenever I have students, when I have students who go through the similar process, I naturally have this kind of you know, drive to really help students, not, just, not because I am here to work as an international student advisor, because I was there seven years, seven years or eight years ago. So I will give you an example. I didn't realize this until my supervisor pointed out. Um, so, okay, so um, I had this exchange student from France and this student also had to change um, their visa status from C1 exchange students and somehow their home countries are not cooperating. So these students were in very awkward scenario. So I, there's only one condition per immigration regulations where they have to have secured the intern, internship positions in order to stay in the United States. So I pulled all the strings that I have. I called the career services. I reached out different offices asking if they have opening for the students. And I finally were able to assist the students to um, get an internship and, and stay and study in Sunny Oswego. So my supervisor told me that, Hannah, you went extra miles for the student. That's when I realized, oh, I went extra miles for the students. And when there are students who, you know, there are many kind of like troublemakers um, on campus who would not apply for OPT program, which is employment opportunities or STEM OPT extension on time, or there are students who do not prepare all the required documents or fail to graduate. So those are kind of like red flag scenario. Um, but for me, that seems like it's really easy to just, you know, think that, well, I did my best and it's just students who did not you know, read the instructions or resources. But for me, I kind of think that like, what is the hole here? Like, what is the gap here? Is there any, you know, like um, problems in communication style or was that the information, the way that I delivered the information was not enough? That questions will follow me throughout the day and try to, I try to improve the way that I communicate with students or um, improve the way that I display the information. So that really, my past experience really impacted me in that way. What is the interesting thing is that I also see that my student parents or other offices have some sort of expectations toward me as well. And I see this kind of um, two concepts. One is savior and the other one is diplomat slash dictionary. And I will um, explain details um, what I mean by savior and diplomat slash dictionary. My appearance, which is not a traditional American look or a, my accent, which is not native English speaker, kind of comforts international students or parents. Isn't it great that your appearance can, you know, like make others feel good when they first arrive on campus? So students will come to me or email me saying, and I'm so grateful that you are working here, you know, as a contact person or as a key contact person in the IGPLAS office. And there's, there are parents who come to me and say, oh, I'm so relieved that, you know, my keys can go to you and seek for assistance. And there's one time that one parent came to me and said, okay, so from today, my children is your children now. So I wasn't sure about that, but okay, I know where you're coming from. So, so those are the things that students and parents think that I'm kind of savior 
um, to, for them. And the second thing is, the other thing that I observe often from the students and parents are like this. So what is an apple in Korean is in English. So they want to see what is this in American higher education system. But we all know that not every education system is the same. For example, community college system, um, we do not have community college system in Korean higher education. So if someone is asking me, what is the direct translation of community college system in Korean, my answer will be, well, is this community college? I don't know, right? But um, international students are kind of asking me, what is this in Korean education system, in American system? Um, and that observation has been intensified during the pandemic. There was one student who had to submit their vaccination document, um, and the students will ask me, so how can I, um, can I submit this document in Korean? Um, and I said, well, if as long as it is in English, you can submit the document, and health services will tell you if they can accept or not. But if I wasn't looking like this, or if I wasn't have that background, that will stop there, and then they will submit it. Um, but I suppose, but um, they will keep going, going and going on. So they will ask, no, 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 no. I'm asking about this app, COV or POOV in Korea that we are using to enter restaurants and stores. Um, and then they will explain whole history of the application. And again, I told the student, well, I don't know. You have to ask health services. But they do have this concept that because I have an international background and I'm a contact person in the IEEE's office, they think that I should know everything. And I should say the answer yes or no to students. But most of cases, my areas of expertise, my office's responsibility are not I cannot really provide the direct answer to students. And the other thing that I observe uh, from in, about international students is when it comes to immigration regulations or policies that they should reach out to me, they tend to turn to their peers, their Korean peers, Chinese peers, or someone who went through the application maybe two years ago. So, and that was also something that I found very interesting during the pandemic. So we all know maybe um, if you work in the international education that the immigration policies has been changed so many times during the pandemic. One time there were international students had to leave the country if they are not taking in-person classes. And we are now, most of colleges closed the in-person courses because of the virus. Um, but there are some conditions like this and it could up apply differently for a different group of students. But I saw the social media posts or videos where international students were panicking that I have to leave this country. And those videos and posts were, would make other international students panic um, as well. So um, that's where my frustration um, was. And that was kind of my mission to kind of de deliver like right information um, in their languages. So that's why I started my own website, um, Civil where I deliver immigration regulations in Korean and um, Chinese. And now, um, uh, before I get into my personal life, there's one thing that I also mentioned, and which is about colleagues from other offices. So other offices also kind of have this, um, 
expectation toward Atropas, the office, and me. And um, so they would forward, I want to say virtually all, but I will not use stronger word. I would just say they tend to. They tend to forward emails from um, students with foreign names. But as I said, I'm a permanent resident here, so I'm not considered as an international student. So there were, were several cases where I received these kind of e um, emails, and when I look up the student's record, there were not international students. And we will see more and more of those cases in the future. So, um, and, and other offices would also want me to be involved whenever there, there are international students. And it is very scary. And um, I will give you one example. So during the pandemic, there were students who were seeking mental health services. And there's one student who um, went to the mental health center. And one day I got a call from the health services um, work, the employee there. And she wanted to have me and have a conversation with the student. And that may, that may be really scary, because I know that students is, went there to seek some assistance from the professional. And I'm not licensed professor, uh, professional like Katie. So I didn't want to say anything that would freak the student out. So I was like, well, that student went to your center for reasons. Um, and I delivered all the information, let's say health insurance that students should know. So I would appreciate if you could um, assist, and assist the student. But how they take my answer is like, well, but they just wanted to talk with someone who has similar background, international background. So I thought it would be great if you could just have a, have a word with the student. So it's not that I don't want to have any word and we have been you know, exchanging several email communications and that student also came to my office. So I did the part and that student came, went to the center for a reason. So those are the things that I observed that my other colleagues are not experiencing in my, in my office. But those are the things that I experienced because I do not look like, you know, like my colleagues and I do sound like someone has international background. Okay, now I'm, I will switch gears to uh, my personal life. I took the first photo when I called the police um, to report my great neighbor. You know, we all, you know, go through that. So um, I couldn't, I couldn't fall asleep because of my neighbor. Um, so I, I had to move out and move into the new apartment. And it was during the pandemic. So my colleagues, like every one of them, helped me um, to move in, to find a new apartment, and give me resources. So I really appreciate the help that my colleagues gave me. So I think it would be great if the office or department or the institution have some sort of list of apartments or you know, like houses where out-of-towners or someone who's n who has an international background can refer to when they were looking for um, housing resources. Um, and the other thing, um, as you can see, is healthcare. And I think American healthcare, it's notorious, but again, I really agree with what others interpret American healthcare. And here's why. I really like, I really don't like this term. Family doctor. What kind of doctor is family doctor? So what about me who do not have family in this country? <laughs> I cannot go to see family doctor. So I need to find my own family slash primary doctor. 
And I started this position a semester before the pandemic started. Like we educators say a semester, others say six months before the pandemic started. So um, uh, uh, anyway, so I really, it didn't really occur to me that the first thing that I had to um, is just find a doctor and, and sign up as a new patient, but I didn't. And the pandemic started and um, I was sick, not because of coronavirus, thank God, but I was sick. But um, I couldn't go to the hospital, I couldn't see the doctor. Um, and I signed up as a new patient, but there were very few hospitals or um, healthcare providers who were accepting new patients. Well, but anyway, I did it, but I still, at this point, I, I don't have um, primary doctor. So this is really a problem. Um, so I think it would be an idea um, to, for offices, departments, or institutions to have this kind of partnerships for new employees or out-of-towners like me um, and just provide those resources to them um, so that they can be maybe like the first thing that they could is find a doctor and sign up um, as a new patient so that they can seek the health care services when they need to. So those were my stories. Thank you for listening, and we will open this floor up for discussions.